Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Cloak and Jabber. Oh, man. Oh, it's been dark outside, but we are finally out of that darkness, jumped through that little window I like to call wife, and we are back in it, ready to make a brand new fresh start with a new episode of our podcast, talking about season two, episode five of Cloak and Dagger Alignment Chart. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And uh, this is Cloak and Jabber, Cloak and Dagger podcast. I already said what episode we're going to talk about, so I'm not going to say it again, Pete. Good. Great. How are you doing? Oh, just lovely, man. Yourself? Great. I'm glad we can really catch up right here at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, it's nice to just spend some time talking, you know? Yeah, just like chill out. Have a good time. You know what? I don't even think we want to talk about the episode. Let's just (laughs) find out what's going on with each other, you know? Recap our lives. Yeah, I'm sure that's what people really want to hear about. Absolutely. People turn into a Cloak and Dagger podcast. Now, I'm just going to say this on the podcast, Pete. Put your phone in front of your microphone, look at your microphone, talk into your microphone, because you keep turning away your microphone. I can see it. I can see it right now. Hey, this is an audio podcast. Stop busting my balls. I'm going to bust your balls as much as I want, and starting with your least favorite part of the podcast, the recap. Just kidding. We're going to start with your most favorite part of the podcast, which is... Brett Macris's recap. Yes, yeah. our New Orleans correspondent. And he's got some notes for us. These are not about this episode, it's about the last episode, season two, episode four, Rabbit Hold. So I'm going to read them off now. You ready, Pete? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Ah, so Bridget is stationed at the Bywater Station House this episode. The Bywater is a great neighborhood and probably my second choice of places to live in New Orleans. It's a lot of fun, except, I guess, for all the human trafficking, gun running, and drugs. Does sound like a pretty bad <laughs> deal. The Bywater has been on a real upturn in the last few years. Some new great restaurants, a little bit of gentrification. And hey, the pizza is great over there. And the bow buns. Oh, I love a good bow bun. When Tandy what the is, fuck is a bow bun? A bow bun? It's like, uh, have you ever, did you go to see, I think it was before Incredibles 2, the short bow? Yeah. It's basically like a dumpling, but with sort of thicker Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Delicious. Great, good Mm -hmm. stuff. It is. Uh, When Tandy is inside of Ty's tummy, he doesn't say tummy, I said tummy, she sees herself walk into the Esplanade, which is a pretty big mall in Kenner, a small town just outside the city proper. It's mostly suburbs and strip malls and fairly uninteresting for the most part. Lots of drive-through daiquiri shops. What? Uh, I want to pause there for a second. There are drive-through daiquiri shops in New Orleans? 
What? That is amazing. Why don't we hear more about that? Because those people drive through, get a bunch of daiquiris, and then crash their cars and die. (laughs) What an amazing, terrible idea. It Uh, It is both those things. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do that, but I want to just like walk through, not in a car, and also get to the side of the road as quickly as possible. Well, anyway, I want to do it when somebody else is driving, and I can have a daiquiri. Oh, okay. All right, maybe that's how you do it. I can see that. Yeah. That's a good way around that whole thing. Yeah, Bummer for the driver, but real sweet deal for everybody else. Yeah. Lots of drive through daiquiri shops and sports bars that you wouldn't be surprised to see on Bar Rescue at some point. Uh, The St. Charles Streetcar, one of the oldest operating streetcars around. Probably not the best choice for a mother and son on the run to use as an escape vehicle, but very uh, scenic, looks good on camera. It only goes about 25 miles an hour. It's a great way to see the Central Business District. Come visit me at the restaurant. That's right. We should mention Brett is a professional chef down in New Orleans, a well-recognized chef as well. Uh, And for some reason, consulting on our podcast. Uh, The Garden (laughs) District and the huge old Southern mansions that lie in St. Charles, there's no way Ty's mom doesn't know where they are when they get off the streetcar. According to the show, she lives not too far from there. They live in Uptown, and it's only a short commute to the Garden District. And Rice lived close to where Ty and his mother break into the abandoned Clemens Vampire Nun House. And Rice got tired of people constantly taking photos of her house, knocking on her door, etc., and moved a few years ago. Ty mentions the tours that Emoji Girl leads, and his mom asks, how many of those tours have you been on? I've mentioned it before, but as corny and often fabricated the ghost stories of the tours are, they're a great way to learn the history of New Orleans and the French Quarter. They also stop by, like, three bars along the way and give the tour groups happy hour prices. You know, I mean, I know this is the reputation of New Orleans, but between ghost tours that stop at three bars and drive through daiquiri shops... Uh, I'm getting a sense of what this town is about. Well, you know? hey, man, that that's some good stuff. I don't, that I don't is want some you good to... stuff. Yeah. No, I'm not knocking it until okay, I good. rock it, you know? <laughs> I've been pretty apprehensive to mention this because I can't be totally sure, but I'm pretty sure the abandoned church Ty currently lives in is literally two blocks from my house on Rampart Street. We first moved here. It was an after church, but soon after we arrived, it went up for rent. The church group moved out. The building is about the same size, small, narrow, and deep. And every few months and for weeks at a time, a film crew park all their production trucks around the corner and film in the abandoned church. I can't be positive, but I'm almost certain that's the church. I'll try and confirm this in the next few weeks because that would be pretty awesome. Just uh, watch out that you don't walk into Cloak's tummy. That's all I'm saying. Side note, there's a Banksy across the street. I feel like after this episode, I need to spend some time at a record store. There's a really great one next to the Peaches Shop in the Bywater. Uh, Before he wraps up, he says, last podcast, you guys asked about what's going on with the rabbits in NOLA. Not too much, but chickens, on the other hand, are everywhere. It's totally normal to see roosters and chickens running around the Treme. Marnier and the Bywater, they literally cross the road all the time, but I think it's just to be Assholes, chickens aren't nice. Uh, also, Whoa, he that's a, a big reveal. Yeah, uh, you know it's funny. I rented a chicken once, and it was actually very nice. So I don't know what he's talking about. Wait, I'm sorry. What the fuck did you do to a chicken? I rented a chicken. For what purpose? For a comedy shoot, we needed a chicken for a comedy shoot. Okay, and so we rented right. a chicken for the day. What did you do to that chicken? We dressed it in a tiny little devil costume. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was great. It was mostly like skin and bones. You just when you you know you think they're big and fluffy, but when you hold them by the feathers, they're teeny tiny little things. Very cute. 
Uh, oh, and he also mentions it's pronounced Decatur. You're very close on that one, Alex. Uh, I told him I'm definitely going to mess it up again. Hopefully I did not mess it up again. Thank you, Brett, so much for your notes as always. Now let's get into, I'll, I'll try to keep this brief for your sake, Pete, but the recap wait, wait, of the wait. show. Wait, 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 before we get into that, I mean, we yeah. got to dr- address something. He's a straight, the, the man doing our, re- our, our kind of special, you know, reporting man on the street here is a chicken hater, a straight up chicken hater. I don't know how I feel oh, about this. Are you, have you turned? Have you turned on Brett? Is that what's going on, Pete? No, I'm just saying that. Like that's kind of a you know, if he lives around a lot of chickens, I can understand maybe why chickens piss him off. You know, because like a lot of times when people come to New York City, they're like, "Oh, pigeons," and I'm like, "No, no, fuck those pigeons." You know, so I wait. Are uh, maybe people that's into what pigeons? What really? You've encountered people who are like, "Oh, cool pigeons." Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. I think it's probably because he's a chef that he's against them. He has to convince himself the chickens aren't nice because he's slaughtering them all the time. <laughs> That's messed up, man. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's up. right. Maybe ch- chickens are assholes, but I just I hadn't heard that before. Hey, I'll tell you what. Hit us up at Cloak Jabber on Twitter. Let us know. Are chickens assholes or not? Uh, we're taking a poll. I'll try to remember to put up a poll. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, Okay, let's get into the very brief recap because uh, this has gone on for a little while. But there's Tendi, there's Ty. They both have powers. Tendi has dark force powers. Uh, Part of his powers are he has a dimension inside of him or access to a dimension called the dark force dimension. They haven't called it that on the show, but that's what it is. He can also go into people's fears uh, and he can teleport. Meanwhile, Tendi can create light daggers. She can also Hadouken, create an energy ball, and she can enter people's hopes. They haven't really been on the same page lately, but they have teamed up to try to figure out the mystery of what's going on with Detective Bridget O'Reilly. She's been split into two parts. One part is called Mayhem. That's the part that got all the strength and speed and smarts. And then there's Bridget, who's a detective, but she can't shoot straight. She's nervous. She's second-guessing herself all the time. She's the weak parts of Bridget. Uh, Mayhem was sucked into the dark force. Tandy went after her the last episode because they needed information on a human trafficking ring, but they've been trying to blow wide open over the past couple of episodes. Instead of bringing Mayhem back, who had the information on it, she ended up bringing back Connors. Now, Connors is the man who killed Ty's brother and then framed Ty for the murder of Bridget's boyfriend. He didn't do any of that stuff, but Ty has been on the run. Uh, They knew if they could figure out some way to get Connors out of his cloak, he didn't know how that happened, um, that maybe he could clear his name. And since Ty was accused of that murder and ran away from home and has been living in an abandoned church, it split up his parents, his mom, who is, I believe, a lawyer or in the government in some way, uh, and his dad, who is just kind of moping around and making cloaks for people. Uh, He does that. He did that before. uh, But we catch up with him this episode. Uh, And the other stuff. He does do more than just moping around. He's just. He used to be a thug back in the day. He cleaned himself up. But he was definitely, he was part of a gang. He was one of the district gang members. Uh, and he seems, as we find out, to be falling back on that. Last thing you should probably know is Tandy actually used to be a con man and criminal uh, yeah. and uses those skills to great effect. She also had a boyfriend. 
friend that she teamed up with uh, that we spent a lot of time with last season. We haven't seen him all this season, but there's a little hint. She starts talking about him in a certain way, which is why I bring him up. Uh, that's pretty much all you need to know. I think let's let's talk generally about the structure of the episode, right? Because this got back to one of my favorite things about the show, the way they approach this episode. One thing that Cloak and Dagger does very well is it sets up something at the beginning that you don't actually know how it's going to pay off until the end, which seems like that should happen on every show. We talked about this, I believe, on the last season of the podcast. Uh, but the... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the exact term. But uh, at the beginning of the episode, you see Tandy basically telling a story, almost a poem in a sort of way. It looks like some, almost like a toast at a wedding that she's Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we see some lights flashing over her, and we don't know exactly what's going on. If they keep coming back to it throughout the episode, and it isn't until the end you realize what's happening. And that's great. I love when they do that on the show, and they do it so well. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about that they do well on the show is the music. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, especially this, there was like a Mayhem song in this episode that was really well done and pretty badass. Yeah, it's great. I uh, We've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast as well, that sometimes it almost plays like a music video of sorts. Yeah. Uh, there's a raid scene midway through the episode that plays out a lot like that. Uh, and I feel like they pump up the music in the soundtrack a little higher than a lot of other shows mm-hmm. so that it does make it more omnipresent and tells the story through that, which is real neat. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so after that first bit, uh, we go over to Bridget. She can't really shoot right uh, straight. Uh, Connors jumped out. He immediately he finds a gun while he's finding the gun. Tandy and Ty are fighting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, which then, it's it's understandable because Ty is like of all the things to do, you bring Connors back. Yeah, uh, you know that was like the last thing you should be doing. You know, and he's uh, you know he's rightly kind of upset because that's going to kind of if Connors gets away like he just disappeared, that really reopens everything for Ty. Yeah, I. I'm frustrated about it. I understand it, but they've had plenty of time together, but we have viewers spent an entire season having to watch them get together and team up together. And then this season started with them together and is slowly breaking them apart. So I understand the arc they're going for there, but as a viewer, it's frustrating because I want to see them working together. Yeah. They're so good together. I literally wrote down, Oh, don't split up again. Uh, This is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. but they kind of have this like yin and yang thing going where like when one person's kind of doing well, the other one is really struggling and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, there was a fun little moment that happens here where uh, she pulls out her phone and her mom has sent her a million texts and she yeah. makes a joke that there's no cell reception inside of his hoodie. I thought that was cute. Cool. Cool. I'm glad. No, you, you didn't that. like that. I mean, it was no. all right, but, you know, I wasn't like, oh, that was such a cute joke. Uh, yeah, I thought that was the most amazing joke I've ever heard. I'm surprised Wow, that you didn't like it. That is just, first off, your comedy card has just been revoked. I mean, I think it was like, number one, it was this joke. Number two, all of Andrew Dice Clay's routines. Uh, number three, Tommy Boy. And then, Fuck you know, you. it's kind of down. But don't bring Tommy Boy into this. <laughs> all right, that is a comedy classic, you asshole. 
Yes. So Tandy and her mom talk and her mom, it turns out, this is a big deal. And I, this spells, I think, yeah, bad things. Huge deal. She has been drinking and partying just a little bit. Just just a scooch. Oh, yeah. And I mean, mom has been working the kind of program a little bit and she's relapsed, which is going to be a big problem. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of different themes going on this episode. You mentioned certainly the yin and yang thing is always going on throughout the show. But one of the things that I got in this episode is, can you change? I think that's a overall theme of the show. But that was very present here. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what's going on with Connors. That's what they touch on with the mom, because she was an alcoholic last season. She slept with the wrong men in order to protect her. Tandy calls her out on that, but she doesn't seem too sure of herself, you know? Yeah. Also, there's this thing of like, you know, can uh, Bridget change? You know, can she get Mm -hmm. better uh, without mayhem on, on her own at shooting and being a detective, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we got to get over to Bridget, who's making tea. Ty visits her. Uh, Bridget can't leave to find Connors. Um, and then yeah, we get this scared. great montage. Yeah, she's too scared. Uh, and to your yeah. point, that's what she's battling with over the course of the episode is, can she be herself without mayhem? Um, then we get the great montage, great music montage. Ty pulls all these guns, uh, bullets out of a gun, pulls the gunpowder out of them, makes a, was it called a vevey? Is that what it is? Yeah, some kind of symbol on the ground that... Uh, right. This is something that was established a couple of episodes back. Yeah. It's a voodoo symbol. And while yeah. he's setting that up, we keep cutting over to Connors, who's digging up this evidence, and we think, oh, man... Here it comes. Yeah. Connor's going to be evil again. Yeah. Uh, but Ty jumps over to him. He teleports over to him. He's been using the Vivay to really focus his teleportation to go where he needs to go. Uh, and Connor's points the gun at him and then pulls it down and says, I want to give up. I want to make things right. Here's the evidence. Take me in. But Ty doesn't believe him. Yeah, of course Ty doesn't believe him. Why would you believe him? You I don't know. know he I mean? seemed pretty legit to me. Yeah, but it's like, here's a guy who murdered your brother, is a dirty cop, has been doing all these wrong things. You can't just immediately be like, oh, okay, Connors, sure. Yeah, you obviously you have to kind of be like, okay, I'll try to trust you, but it's it's a slippery slope. The whole well, time I kept things. waiting for Connors to be like, ha fuck you. Really? No, yeah. I believed him right off, and I think there's two reasons for that. One, he spent a significant amount of time inside of Cloak's tummy, which well, is going to change a man. Enough but. to grow a full beard. I wouldn't say that was, I wouldn't say it was years. It was maybe months. Speaking as a person who does not have a beard, uh, you'll have to speak on the beard of the, it all. You know how long that sort of thing takes. Uh, but I will say that full beard, that was the second thing I was going to bring up. He looks like like a beginning Santa Claus, and I trust that guy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think that, yeah, I thought Ty was right not to trust him, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and then as this kind of episode goes on, you see why he's changed. He was stuck in a fucking creepy ass mall with nothing but his thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which sounds cool, but after like the 13th slushy or something like that, you're going to yeah. be like, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't eat Auntie Anne's for breakfast every single day. Oh, this I is... don't know, dude. I think I could do it. <laughs> could you? 
take the Auntie Anne's breakfast challenge. Yeah, and I mean, and then I hope they have one of those like birthday like cookie cakes places, you know, because then you could just eat cookie cakes for like lunch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, is the stuff inside of uh, Ty's tummy is that stuff that he's eating that's going into the dark force, and then uh, Cotter's was eating that? No, How do you think it's that clearly works? like whatever's in a mall is what's in the dark oh, force. Right. Whatever it is. Okay. Stop right. saying well, Ty's tummy, you piece of shit. I'm never going to stop saying that. Then we cut over to Tandy, who is going over to a dude who I'm forgetting his name of, uh, but he runs the clinic that Tandy's been spending a little bit of time of. Yeah. Uh, he is very surprised that all of these girls were freed from the human trafficking ring last episode. He talks about... Tandy and Ty, he calls them the angel and the shadow and yeah. that they freed everybody. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm very suspicious of this guy. I don't now, know about see, you. I was suspicious of this guy. But after this episode, I was like, no, this guy's good. Really? Well, yeah. What made you think he was good? Just the way he was like before it was kind of like. He was saying, like, oh, yeah, uh, all these people disappear and whatever. You know, you can't do much about it. We just kind of have meetings. So I was like, oh, this guy's keeping track, marking things down, and then maybe passing them off to the ambulance. But in this, he kind of really talks about the hope that, uh, you know, Tandy and Ty are bringing, and it kind of lights them up. He gets... He's a little nicer. He's a little lighter. Uh, It really makes a difference in his persona. Now, here's the thing. He doesn't have a beard, though, so he doesn't look like Santa Claus to me, so I don't trust him. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. No, really, though, I think I think there is something going on with him. I feel like I think it was your theory, actually, that he was the guy behind the human trafficking ring. He's providing the information there. That still makes a lot of sense to me. And there's a little reaction he has when he's talking about it that seems a little weird and suspect. Jumping over to Ty, Ty brings Connors to his dad, who immediately almost stabs Connors to death. Hell yeah, that Uh, was so great. It was great. Uh, Ty does stop him, uh, and Connors tells them a whole story. He says, listen, uh, and we get another one of those crosscuts where Connors is talking about, I came from a rich family. I got away with this. Uh, the whole system is built in my favor. That's something that I was thinking about while I was inside of uh, your cloak. Uh, and Tandy is talking to the counselor. They go back and forth, back and forth. Uh Connor's uncle has what he calls a monopoly file, which is your get out of jail free card. The assumption is that it has blackmail on absolutely everybody. So these rich folks at this club could do pretty much whatever they want. I really like the way they talk about race and uh, in this app, in this show and especially in this, they kind of really dig into the white privilege and the fact that like, this dirty cop can continue to be a dirty cop just because of all the people he knows uh, and that get-out-of-jail-free card that they have. So uh, I was really happy to kind of see Connor kind of come clean like that and kind of put it all out there, although I didn't trust him. I thought it was kind of a cool moment, especially the way the dad was kind of reacting to it. 
One thing I want to say to your point, and then I want to talk about Connors again. There's a moment later in the episode where Ty is sneaking into the club and he's dressed as, I guess, a pool boy or attendant at the club. Uh, And he walks by somebody else there, a woman. They're both black and they just nod at each other. You know, and he's very worried about infiltrating, uh, but he's told just blend in. You're going to be on the service end of things. And to your point, again, it's a very subtle way of dealing with race, but it's how the people in this club treat people who look like Ty and look like that woman. Yeah. The one comic book thing that I wanted to mention about how Connors is, which actually did make me trust him, is in the comics, when criminals go inside of the cloak, when they go inside of the Dark Force, this isn't exactly what happens here, but they come out freezing and cold and all everything has been sucked out of their body. They're almost a clean slate in a way. Usually uh, cloak has eaten their evil essentially. So I felt like this, what happened with Connors, this is a riff on that. He was yeah. inside of the dark force long enough that all the bad got sucked out of him and it's self-reflection, which is a more reasonable way of looking at it. But uh, from the comic book superpowers perspective, I, I feel like that's what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they kind of like, What's nice is it's subtle, um, and uh, that might be what's going on here, but they haven't kind of revealed it yet, which is great. Yeah, so Tandy is going on her own mission. She is trying to get in good with this woman who she thinks is connected to the human trafficking ring. Yeah. Uh, in order to do that, she ends up tricking Ty to meet her and pretend to be her oh, abusive boyfriend. Oh, that was boyfriend. some fucked up shit. And it he calls her out on it, too. Yes. What? I mean, I think she should have just told him, right? Yeah, what the fuck? He's like, oh, I, you know, you need a black eye to pretend like, you know, yeah. And I was like, get her, Ty. Get her. That's fucked up, man. She keeps lying to you all the goddamn time. It was. Uh, to your point about the yin and yang thing, they keep moving back and forth, right? Like, yeah. Tandy was in a bad place when season one started, and she got to a good place at the end of season one. That's where she started season two, and she's slipping and sliding. And like Ty is the opposite end of the spectrum. He starts in a bad place, and he's heading towards a better place, or at least trying to get there. Uh, And the question is, as we've been talking about with this episode, is can they change? Can they get better? Can Tandy hold on to the goodness that she found in herself, or is she going to end up like Mayhem and lose it? Uh, What do you think at this point, Pete? Well, I mean, she does slip, especially around violence or around certain things. She becomes very kind of cold. And even with her mom, who her mom's trying to explain about the relationship with her father, like the sacrifices she made so she could have a father, and she's like... No, he hit you, you walk away, that's it. And she's like, no, it's more complicated than that. And she was like, no, it's not. So Tandy gets very cold around kind of confrontation and around violence. So uh, I don't know, like she's going to have to go to some therapy or some real things have got to change for her to really kind of uh, start opening up, uh, especially she needs to start being honest with Ty. Yeah, I agree. All right. Speaking of Ty, he hatches a plan with Bridget. Bridget gets a big effing gun, massive rifle, uh, and heads over to the club with him. And I got excited about that because I was like, hey, hey, you don't have to worry about aim with this fucking thing. (laughs) You could just just be close and you'll hit something. 
you know? That's what I thought they were going with, but that's yeah, not actually too. what they end up doing. No. Because Ty, instead, he goes into the club, goes to a steam room, grabs some keys to the Promenade Society. Uh, Bridget, meanwhile, just pretends she goes in she says there's a bomb threat there is a massive explosion downstairs everybody runs out um while uh ty goes to the wine storage he looks for the files uh ty finds nothing inside of a fake bottle uh and then angry takes cotters back to the church now while this is going on this intercuts with what's going on with tandy Tandy has won over the woman. They have a very emotional story about abusive boyfriends. They bond over that. She finds out that this dude supplies uh, restaurant supplies to uh, major buyers. Very excited to hear what Brett Macris has to say about that particular part of thing when we do the next podcast, Uh, whether that seems accurate to the... (laughs) Restaurant business over in I New Orleans. That. I doubt. I that. don't know. I think there's a lot of guys like that driving through their um, daiquiri drive-throughs, <laughs> getting wasted and doing crimes. Hey, 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 hey! You don't just because you like a good daiquiri drive-through doesn't mean you're a bad person. All right. All I'm saying is, there any drink that criminals drink more than a daiquiri? I don't think so. <laughs> I think yes. I think <laughs> I, I can't think of one. Uh, so Tandy goes through a big action sequence. Uh, she is now an action hero. She finds the guy. She gets pepper sprayed by him and surrounded by dudes and basically blinded, beats up all of the dudes. Yeah, that was um, impressive. It was very impressive. She didn't even use her daggers. You know, yeah. where did she get this training? Like, I know she's a dancer, but that's some yeah. serious fight training to take out dudes like that. Yeah, yeah, I guess she picked it up along the way somehow from grifting. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's part of her dagger powers. Oh, you know what it was, actually? It was when they were trapped in that dream last season, when they were trapped inside of, uh, what's her name, Mina's father's dream. They went through it hundreds and hundreds of times, and she trained up there because she kept fighting the infected monsters in that dream. So that's where she got the skills. Okay, great. Never mind, figured it out. Uh, so Teddy beats up the dudes. Uh, Ty, meanwhile, takes Connors back to the church. He goes into Connors' fears, and he sees the day Ty's brother died. He sees the scales of justice. A gun is heavier than his heart. Connor has no heart. He keeps trying to lock himself up, but he can't. And Ty realizes that he's legit. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really powerful bit of imagery in the episode. It was really awesome. It was, I loved how it was shot and kind of uh, just told the story with the images. It was really cool. Yeah, and I also like that in the show, you can get through everybody's lies by going into their hopes or going into their fears and seeing the inner workings of them. It's it's such a neat way of cutting through those fights and cutting through the treacle and really yeah. explaining what the characters are all about. So Ty comes up with another solution. He brings Connors to his mom. Uh, and I wrote this down, but I don't remember what this part, uh, lady sees Ty. It's all people like him understand. Oh no, I, I wrote down Ty, but I meant Tandy. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, so Ty brings, uh, Connors to his mother and they're, uh, wait, figure- did you see that giant uh, revolver that, uh, Ty's mom's got? That's some dirty, hairy shit right there. That was I fucking mean, a dude, badass. They raided her. They raided her, and remember, there were dudes after them, so of course she's going to get a big gun. Yeah, I, it was just, I was like, oh shit, she's fucking dirty hairy, man. 
Yeah. So we're going to see how that resolves going forward. Uh, but then things end up very badly for Ty because the lady bumps into her outside um, and Tandy explains, it's all people like him understand you have to refuse to be a victim and take away their power. Um, I don't agree with that. I know you probably as a Punisher fan agree with that. How do you yeah. feel about that moment? Well, the thing is, it's like what Tandy's got to learn is she's right, but there is more to it than that. You know what I mean? Like she's right. You can't, uh, somebody hits you, you need to leave. You know, that's it. It's over. But there is just so much more intertwined. And I I hope as the story moves forward with her and her mom, she gets to kind of explore that and learn more. But this is why I think the guy who has the limp is better because the woman is the one selling everybody out. She's controlled by that dude. So that's why I kind of reversed it because I was like, oh, Somebody from this place is giving information for all these girls, and I thought it was the dude, but it's actually the woman who's still under control of this asshole, and that drove me insane. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually probably a fair guess. We'll see if that actually pans out that way, but that does make a lot of sense. But what a phony she is. She's sitting there in these group meetings trying to help people, and she's hurting everybody. Yeah, Uh, I will say... Personally, I think that Tandy going in and beating up those dudes isn't going to make them say, well, now we've learned our lesson. It's just going to make them angrier and try to hit back harder. I think the way you get out of that is you break that cycle of violence, right? That you do get out of the relationship absolutely, as you're saying. You step out of there, but you find some other way to go even though it momentarily feels good to hit back, it only makes things worse in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but, um, you know, sometimes uh, I just want to clarify just be before anybody thinks that I'm saying this wrong. I think if somebody is attacking you, don't be like, I peaceably remove myself from the situation, (laughs) you know, but there's a difference between that and what Tandy is doing, which is she is going into somebody else's problem and being like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yeah. And she is amplifying the violence of the situation, which Mm -hmm. is only going to make it potentially worse for everybody. Right. But I mean, there is a, I think there is a, way to do what she did and then kind of do some other steps after we're like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to speak other people's language. And if they beat people, maybe you need to beat them to be like, Hey, just now that I have your attention, let's fucking talk this shit out. You know what I mean? But yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, in the superhero way, the follow up to that is Spider-Man beats up the dudes and then webs them up and leaves them for the police. And then the police take care of them. What Tandy is doing is saying, Hey, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Job. Well done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no follow up step there. And I think that's what she needs to figure out. But unfortunately, she may never get to figure it out because she does get shocked and taken into the human trafficking ring. She's drugged. It turns out the speech that she's been giving the entire time was a heroin induced hallucination. Uh, or whatever the drug is, induced hallucination. Uh, She pictures all of her friends and everybody together. Ty's brother is alive, I believe, in the dream. Um, Everybody is super happy. Uh, And, yeah, it's all a dream, and she's being taken away at the end of the episode, which is pretty messed up. Yeah, she's in the ambulance. Yeah, that's that's bad. I think that's bad bad for her, Pete. 
Yeah, yeah. But the good news is uh, Ty can find her if he's, you know, if he can, if he's, you know. Well, the problem, the problem is, is, is he's busy with Connors and his mom and it's, you know, it's a and lot. They're, and they're mad at each other, so they're not talking. So he doesn't necessarily have a reason to seek her out at the moment. So yeah. I don't know. A lot of stuff going on as we're halfway through the season now. Yeah, it would be and, crazy turn of events if uh, Tandy died. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do I think know, things man. are going to be... It seems, by the end of the episode, oh, it yeah? seems pretty bleak for her. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe past, <laughs> say, episode six or so, they'll just call it Cloak with an exclamation <laughs> point. Yeah. That's it. Pete, before we wrap up, who won this episode, Cloak or Dagger? Take your time. Take yeah, all the tough. time you want. It's, it's tough because, uh, you know, I want to say cloak, but I am kind of impressed with, uh, you know, the way that Tandy was beating people up t- in this episode. Sure. So you want to yeah. go with Tandy? No, I'm still going to go with cloak, but I, I almost went with Tandy. Oh, wow. That's great. I am going to go with Cloak because I think he got past his rage. He did have some forward movement in terms of his character arc. And ultimately, he made the right decisions in terms of Connors, uh, which uh, I liked. Uh, I was proud of. Yeah, me too. Also, what I'm really happy is he's leaning into the voodoo, which is great because I think for him and Tandy to grow, they really got to find out more about this divine pairing and learn how to use their powers. And I think Emoji Girl's mom is the real uh, key to that. And he's also trusting people. He's working with Bridget, trying to help her and help him at the same time. Uh, Overall, he's having forward motion. Tandy is having backward motion. We'll see how that plays out and how they save her. He's also been, when it comes to Bridget, uh, he's always had kind of a good relationship with her. Like, you know, I'm glad he hasn't abandoned that. I agree. If you would like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we will chat with you about Cloak and Dagger. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live, also at Cloak Jabber. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast in a bunch of different places iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Dudes. That's definitely not the name of it. I don't know. There's a bunch of other places. What? Don't forget the box. The cast box. Sure. Tune in. Podbean, plenty of places. If there is a place you do want to subscribe to this podcast on other than the RSS feed and we don't have it up there, let us know and we will set it up. And we'll see you next time for a little bit of cloak and a lot of jabber. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
Head to Hero.co to shop today.